Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode seven of season two of the Running Rams podcast. I'm Gavin Bishow. And I'm Colin Struckman. And today we're going over the Rams win over Sacred Heart, looking ahead to their next two games against Milwaukee and Charleston. And then we have our weekly pick segment to round off today's show. Definitely going to be a good one, so let's get into it as Rhodey looks to end their non-conference slate in the positive. Karan Iverson clears it. Iverson gets away from the defense, dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer sound. And Rhodey, the 8-10 chance. With four, Oda, 30 feet away, jumper in the air. He's got it. One more has won it for Rhode Island. Seconds left to the corner. Shot for three by Stan. Terrell down to eight seconds. Got to go right. In traffic, off balance shot. Thank you. Jared Terrell. And for the first time since 2009, it's Rhode Island over Providence with the Ocean State Before we start this episode, you want to shout out our social medias. That's on Twitter at Running Rams Pod and on Instagram at Running.Rams.Pod. We post all our podcasts there. You can also find them out on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, uh, the Running Rams Podcast. You can find it all there. So don't be afraid to give our socials a follow. And without further ado, Colin, let's get right into it. The Rams' lone game of the week was last Tuesday as they hosted the Sacred Heart Pioneers. And very similar to the PC game, the Rams' opponent got out to a hot start. Rams fans got to meet Tyler Thomas, who he said was definitely a killer for the round, early and often hitting his first three-point attempts in the first few minutes. The Rams were down as much as seven, 18 to 11 in that first half, but Rhodey's offensive woes would not continue as Rhode Island scored 18 points in the next 10 minutes to finish out the half down only two, 31 to 29. The main theme for the Rams was needing to get shots to fall. It was a back and forth affair for the first four minutes or so as the Pioneers clung to a 41 to 40 lead, but the Rams flipped the must needed switch going on a 20 to eight run over the next eight minutes to take a 60 to 49 lead after a Malik Martin layup. The Rams would go on to coast to a 10 point. 72-62 victory for the Rams. It was an all-around effort with five players getting to double digits with Mikel Mitchell leading the way with 14 points and five rebounds. For the Pioneers, they're led by Tyler Thomas, who had 30 points going seven for 14 from downtown for Sacred Heart. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a slow start, kind of a sluggish start for URI in this game, but they played really well in the second half and they closed it out strong. And I was impressed by the, the bench performance in this game. We know they have depth, but we just haven't really seen the results show for themselves. And that really wasn't the case against the Pioneers in this game. 21 points off the bench, Antoine Walker with 10, Sebastian Thomas with four, and then Malik Martin with seven. So the the Rams' depth really showed in this one, along with that really balanced attack of having four of your starters in double figures. I definitely agree with you, Colin. Rhodey's bench is definitely coming through. Malik Martin has just been good, a good bas- playing good basketball all around. I mean, he's a smart offensive player. He doesn't make too many mistakes, and he causes havoc on the defensive end. And 
As Jeremy Shepard's struggles continue, I mentioned in it last episode, Sebastian Thomas is getting more and more minutes. Thomas played a career-high 26 minutes with four points, five assists, and four rebounds, while Shepard only played 12 minutes, scoring three points. Also, I didn't know if you saw this, but David Cox did pull the whole starting lineup after, I think, two or three minutes against Sacred Heart in the first half. I mean, at first it was like, oh, mass substitutions, but you saw players like Trez Berry, uh, Ayo Falai, who both don't play three minutes into a game. So it looked like there was just, some definite frustration after Tyler Thomas's first three threes. I think David Cox was upset with the, uh, the lack of intensity the Rams brought on defense, jumping at shots, not closing out, and he put mass substitutions in, took the whole starting lineup out. So maybe a little point of emphasis for the Rams might be have to close out a little better, have be a little more intense and play a little harder on the defensive end because David Cox made his point clear early in that sacred heart game. But you look at this one, 72-62, only a 10-point victory against uh, not too good of a team in sacred heart. So where's the bad? I mean, the Rams outperformed the Pioneers in every category besides free throw percentage because the Rams got like four or five free throw, percent, free throw shots compared to the Pioneers got that 12. So how is this only a 10-point game? And as you mentioned, it was a tale of two halves. I mean, the first half was a terrible performance on defense. No intensity, lackluster, as I mentioned. The mass substitutions to make a point. The Rams also seemed to have a lid on the rim in the first half. I mean, the shots they were taking were not bad. They were just not falling. And in the second half, the Rams forced turnovers and made those shots and did everything right to take down Sacred Heart by 10. And my last takeaway, the Mitchell Twins answered my call to not foul and to play basketball. Makai only had three fouls while Mitchell Mikel had none, which is just stunning. Zero fouls for Mikel Mitchell. I mean, I'm not going to ask for zero fouls every day, but like that's ideal, right? To not cause any fouls and give people free points. I mean, both got over 20 minutes of play with Mikel getting as much as 28 minutes. The Rams fouled only 11 times against Sacred Heart, nine less than their average 20. So that's a good, a, a very a much big positive I see taken away from that Sacred Heart game is, you know, the foul trouble, which is, been the Achilles heel, I believe, of this defense. They've been able to block shots, play aggressive, but it gets to a point in the second half where they can't play as aggressive because they're in big foul trouble. They don't have their bigs. So I take that as a big positive. Anything else you got, Colin? No, I think you pretty much got it. I mean, defensively, I thought they played pretty well. They out-remounted them. They had more steals and more blocks. The defense found its footing, and that's that's pretty much in part because they stayed out of foul trouble. Totally agree there. So the Rams take their lone victory of the week in their lone game. They take a six-day break, and the Rams start their week traveling to Wisconsin to take on a struggling Milwaukee team, the 2-7 and seven Panthers, led by fifth-year head coach Pat Baldwin. They hold wins over North Dakota and Robert Morris, with losses coming to Colorado, Youngstown State, Yale, and others. Milwaukee has definitely underwhelmed many expectations as the Panthers were rejected to finish fourth in the Horizon League, even receiving some first-place votes. Milwaukee is led by 6'5 junior guard DeAndre Colston, who has averaged 15 points and five rebounds over the first nine games. Another key Panther is 6'9 freshman Patrick Baldwin who's listed as a guard so that's very interesting who is averaging 16 and a half points and seven and a half rebounds at 6'9 as a guard he's a very versatile and can score he's very versatile and can score all over the floor con other players look out for a freshman sharpshooting Donovan Newby he averages 10 points a game and 43% from three and 6'4 senior Josh Thomas averages nine points a game so overall on paper not too bad of a team they just have yet to correlate that to wins and we know this team, they don't have a great record, but 
they haven't really gotten blown out besides a 36 point loss to Florida, which I mean, that's, that's just brutal, but they only lost to Youngstown state by two and Colorado by 11. And at the same time, I don't think you can overlook this team, especially Baldwin jr. And Golston who are talented players, both scoring in double figures this season. And this, this just gives off that like kind of trap game vibe. This is a game you or I should win by at least 15 and it feels like something weird is going to happen. You just kind of get that feeling, but hopefully they take care of business, which they should in this game. I definitely agree with you there, Colin. Could be a trap game for sure, even though I do see Rhode Island going in, taking care of business, but I don't think it's going to be without a fight. I think Milwaukee's at home, something to prove. They started off with pretty lofty expectations and have not succeeded. So I believe this Panthers team is hungry, and if Rhode Island falls in the wrong spots, it will not be a happy Rhode Island fan base on Monday night. Looking at keys of victory, I think defensive versatility will be a must. I mean, this is an athletic team with bigs that play all over the floor. The Rams have to be able to move on defense, get off screens, limit fouls, all that along with a strong presence on the glass uh, because Milwaukee is a bottom 30 in opponent total rebounds, letting up rebounds. They're one of the bottom 30 teams in the nation, and that will favor the Rams heavily as this Milwaukee team is one of the worst offensive teams in the country, scoring only 63 points a game in their first nine contests. The offense has to stop starting slow. Another key for me with Milwaukee. They do not cause too many turnovers, and any team that allows 70 or more points a game is mediocre at best, Colin. So I think the Rams, they, they need to take advantage of the Panthers, especially early where they have struggled all year. And finally, I want to see more Sebastian Thomas and more Malik Martin. I trust Malik Martin more than any other player on this team, maybe maybe besides Ishmael like it. I mean, those are the two players who I trust the most. If David Cox came out and started Sebastian Thomas, Malik Martin, Mitchell Twins, and Ishmael like it, I mean, that's my ideal starting lineup right now. As of, At the moment, Elliman isn't doing much. I mean, he's not doing terrible, but he's not providing a, a spark we need, like Malik Martin coming off the bench. He's getting rebounds, points, doing everything for Rhode Island, as well as Sebastian Thomas. He's all over the floor, filling up the box score, just chalking it up and doing great things for Rhode Island, whilst Jeremy Shepard is just, I don't know, not even a loose cannon. He just shoots three times a game, and then if he does, he probably goes one for three like he did against Sacred Heart. I mean, he went 0 for 4 against... Uh, Harvard, I think three for 17 or three for 14 against PC. So I, I love Thomas and the way he's playing. He's very quick. So we'll see what David Cox does. I mean, we saw Fats Russell get benched a couple times in the past for Tyrese Martin a couple of years ago. So we'll see if he continues that kind of streak or if not. What, what are your keys to victory here? I would say establish the presence early on in that first half. You can't start out slow, as you mentioned and let this team hang around. Just give them no hope right from the opening tip. Win the battle on the glass. I mean, this is a team that has some size, but URI has better bigs than the Mitchell Twins and Antoine Walker, and they need to clean up all those loose boards to get this win. And then I'd say stay out of foul trouble. That's been one of their main weaknesses all year. I think the Rams can easily blow out teams like Milwaukee if they just play smart and not give these teams easy points on the free throw line. The Mitchell Twins stay out of foul trouble. I mean, you're looking at a win, I think. So the Rams take on Milwaukee tomorrow night as of recording. Uh, we're recording on Sunday night. So they play tomorrow night. I am 99% sure it's a 7 o'clock start, but it could be 8 because it's in the mountain. Yep, it's an 8 o'clock start because it's in the uh, central time zone in Wisconsin. So 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN Plus. The Rams right now favored by 7 points, but we'll see how that works out tomorrow night their next game is a week from today they finish their week 
traveling to the nation's capital to take on the College of Charleston next Sunday at the DC Event Center as part of DC Holidays Hoop Fest. That probably has something to do with David Cox's ties to the DMV area. So they've gotten put up, put into the DC Holiday Hoops Fest. The Cougars at the moment are seven and three and have a game this Thursday, taking on the Stetson Hatters. Charleston is led by first-year head coach Pat Kelsey, who is most known for his time at Winthrop, winning three Big South championships in the past five years. Kelsey replaces now BC head coach Earl Grant, who was with the Cougars for seven years. Charleston has lost some pretty good competition, such as OK State, UNC on the road in a game which they led throughout the first half and early in the second, and an overtime loss to a very solid Furman team. The Cougars' best win was a 68-66 to victory over now 9-1 Chattanooga. The Cougars have a very deep lineup, headlined by freshman guard Rain Smith, who's averaged 15.5 points, 46% from three, and 6-6 forward John Meeks, who's averaged 14-5, and guard Brennan Tucker, who averages 10.5 points per game. I mean, this is, this is a high-scoring team. They're a deep team, like you said. They're an underrated mid-major threat. This feels like one of the biggest games on URI's non-conference schedule. I think when we look at the beginning of the season at these non-conference games, I don't think Charleston is the most appealing game. You know, obviously PC and Harvard kind of stand out a little bit. This game doesn't really jump off the page, but when you look into it, this is a pretty good team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a, a tournament team come March, but if they get hot, if they continue to play well like they have been, who knows what can happen. So this is, this is a tough game. I definitely agree. This is one of those games that David Cox has needed over his tenure. He hasn't really got it. I mean, besides, I know a couple years ago that win against West Virginia was very big in the non-conference as well as that PC win a few years back. But besides that, he hasn't had much success in the non-conference. I mean, they've lost a lot of close games last year. You know, Arizona State, Western Kentucky. This kind of gives me Western Kentucky vibes. It gives me, you know, throw back to those games when Dan Hurley would play Iona and Charleston at home, those big mid-major close contests. So I believe this is a big game for Rhode Island and for David Cox to try to get a key mid-major victory over a very good Charleston team. To do that, I think this will be an all-around effort for the Rams, starting with the guard play. I mean, this is a Charleston team that shoots insanely well from downtown, 67 nationally. Rhodey cannot start the, out the way they did versus Sacred Heart or else it will get ugly quick because Charleston can score at will. I mean, another key emphasis is the Mitchell Twins' ability to play because their presence will be needed. Charleston is 14th in the nation on the offensive glass and capitalizes big on those second chances. This is a team that's 22nd in the nation and scoring at 83 points a game. Luckily, they're one of the worst teams when it comes to their shots getting blocked. The Rody Bigs must hammer the glass and limit any second chance opportunities and finals. Finally, Got to get the offense going. I mean, Charleston may be a great team on offense, but they are one of the worst statistical defenses in the nation, especially when it comes to fouls, turnovers forced, for, turnovers forced and opposing field goal percentage. If Brody cannot get the ball down low and score at will against Charleston, I mean, there is a real cause for concern. I think that's definitely a great key to victory. I mean, for me, don't lack any defensive effort, four steals, turnovers, play aggressive defensively like they have for a majority of the season. Charleston has those three skilled scorers, as you mentioned, and as a team, they average about 83 points per game. They can score at will. So, I mean, defensively, you have to be really solid in this game, and then don't let it be a track meet. I mean, Charleston, they've played in a lot of high-scoring games this season, and URI just has to settle the game down, control the pace and the tempo from the opening tip. And then I think they need a big game from the bench to match Charleston's depth, specifically 
Thomas and Walker, and who knows, maybe see them in the starting lineup. They're both playing really well as of late. They provided a much-needed spark for this team. When the offense isn't there, it feels like those two guys have been consistent enough to provide some offense for the team. That's going to do it for our preview of Charleston. Again, that game is 2 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday at the D.C. Events Center. And with that, we'll get into our A-10 look-around. Games for the Atlantic 10 started last week on Tuesday night. You had the Rams taking down Sacred Heart. You had Northeastern pulling away in a rivalry matchup against UMass by six. LaSalle taking care of Fairleigh Dickinson, who was winless by 26 points. Good for LaSalle. George Mason took down a very solid Navy team, 71-65. Belmont goes on the road to St. Louis to Chaffetz Arena and upsets the Billikens. Don't see that often. 64-59 and DePaul taking down Duquesne by 20, 87-67 after DePaul pulled away late in that second half. On Wednesday, George Washington took down a 1-12 Cotton State by 13. St. Bonaventure struggled early, but came back without Kyle Lofton to defeat Loyola, Maryland, 84-71. St. Joe's won the Battle of Philadelphia, 78-71 over Penn. VCU beat Jacksonville State by 14, 66-52. And Dayton on the road cannot get it done against SMU. They take the loss there by 8, 77-69. On Thursday, there was a lone game, Fordham hosting Long Island University, where the home Rams get the 73-57 victory with efforts from Chuba Ohims in his 20-point and 11-rebound performance. Last Saturday, UConn took care of the St. Bonaventure Bonnies, who are without Kyle Lofton yet again in a 74-64 victory. One thing to look at for St. Bonaventure, though, Jaron Holmes. He has pulled up greatly in the last couple games for St. Bonaventure, doing big things for the Bonnies. So when Kyle Lofton comes back, watch out for Holmes and Lofton. Could be a deadly duo in the Atlantic 10. St. Joe's took care of Temple by 19. Duquesne with an Amir Spears go-ahead jumper with two seconds to go. Take the two-point 64-62 victory over New Hampshire. LaSalle going on a little win streak of their own, taking down Penn by 2, 676-74. North Texas taking care of UMass by 9. St. Louis beating Boston College by 11. Richmond down 17 at the break to Toledo. Comes back, outscores the Rockets by, tw- by 20 in the second half to take the 72-69 victory. And VCU takes down rival Old Dominion on the road by 9, 75-66. On Sunday... We had today, we had Fordham losing to Miami by six and Davidson taking down Northeastern by 10 and Virginia Tech going to the Union Arena, but it was the Flyers taking care of business. This Dayton team has beat Virginia Tech, Belmont, Miami, Kansas, but have also lost to Lipscomb, Austin Pay, and UMass Lowell at home. So is that anarchy? No, that's just that's just college basketball right there for you. Looking to this week, on Monday, you only have two games. Of course, you have U-Rise game against Milwaukee, and then you have George Washington hosting Radford. On Wednesday, you have VCU hosting Florida Atlantic, and on Friday, the Basketball Hall of Fame shootout is featuring two Atlantic 10 teams. First, it's Virginia Tech and St. Bonaventure at 4 p.m., and then the game right after, it's Richmond taking on NC State in Charlotte. Next Saturday, you have Davidson hosting Radford. Bucknell taking on LaSalle at home. St. Joe's going to Bradley. VCU hosting Penn State. 
Ole Miss hosting Dayton in what would be a big game for the Flyers. Georgia hosts George Mason in a game where I think George Mason can win that. And then St. Louis hosts a very good number 18 ranked Auburn team at Shaffitz Arena Saturday night. And to finish out the week on Sunday, we're now taking on Charleston. Duquesne hosting UC Irvine. You have UMass hosting Fairfield and Richmond hosting Old Dominion. That's the 810 Lookout. And if you if you think the audio sounds a little different at the moment, it's because it is. We had a lot of computer problems and glitches that really messed up the audio of our Zoom. So we actually have six games this week when it comes to records. I'll give you last week's results where they favored Colin heavily. And I finally had my roughest week. Texas Tech took down Tennessee, so Colin and I will both take the loss there. West Virginia beat UConn at home, 56-53, so Colin got the victory there. I did not. Seton Hall defeated Texas by four, so Colin gets the victory there, and I will take the loss. Another one will I will take the loss and call to the victory where Alabama beat Houston in an absolute amazing game. I mean, unbelievable game this past Saturday night, 83-82. Alabama takes the road victory. And then we both picked Baylor to beat Nova. <clears throat> so there was that. So I went 1-4. Colin went 4-1. And, and that swings the records. Colin's at 16-9. And I'm at 15-10. and 10. Now since the audience glitched out and Colin's not here, I'll read the, the six games of the week. And then we will post our picks on Twitter and on Instagram. Again, Twitter is at RunningRamsPod. And on Instagram, is at running.rams.pod. So all of our six games taking place on Super Saturday. That's what we're going to call it. So we have six games for December the 18th. Starting off with Purdue versus Butler in the famous Crossroads Classic. You have Texas Tech taking on Gonzaga at 1 p.m. Another good game there. Texas Tech, unbelievable defensive team. Gonzaga coming off a loss to Alabama. See how they bounce back. Back, UNC and UCLA play at 3 p.m. on Saturday in the CBS Sports Classic in Las Vegas, followed by Kentucky and Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic. That's at 5.15 p.m. or whenever the UNC-UCLA game finishes. UConn takes on Providence in their first Big East matchup at 5 p.m. And then for our first mid-major game of the week, I saw this and had to add it in, Weber State, who is at 8-1 right now, takes on BYU. Big one there. That one's at 8 p.m. for our first mid-major game of the week. Again, find our picks on Twitter and Instagram. At Twitter is at RunningRamsPod, and on Instagram is at Runnin.Rams.Pod. We apologize for the inconvenience for these picks just because Internet's going haywire, technology's things, and we got to get this episode out before you rise game against Milwaukee. So thanks for bearing with us tonight. I apologize for not getting Colin on for our picks. But besides that, big week for Rhode Island. They got Milwaukee and then a huge mid-major game against Charleston in the District of Columbia. That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, stay safe. Roadie, roadie, roadie.